Despite dramatic decreases in mortgage lending, mortgage fraud continues to plague the financial industry. A number of regulatory initiatives, however, including amendments to the SAFE Act and more guidance from the Federal Reserve, are having an impact. But what steps can financial institutions take to protect their customers and members? And how is new legislation and guidance expected to impact mortgage fraud and its prosecution? Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. I'm here today with L.T. Lafferty, a former federal prosecutor who now heads the White Collar Crime and Government Investigations in Corporate Compliance and Ethics Practice for Florida-based law firm Fowler White Boggs. L.T., your office is located in one of the most hard-hit mortgage markets in the country. Could you please tell the audience a bit about the types of schemes you're seeing most often, as well as a bit about the entities you work with and the mortgage cases you've been involved with through your practice at Fowler White Boggs? You know, it's interesting that for the last four years, Florida's been ranked number one by the LexisNexis Mortgage Asset Research Institute in the number of mortgage fraud or new mortgage fraud cases in the United States. And just recently, the FBI issued its 2009 mortgage fraud report. And in that report, it identified Florida as one of the top states in the country for mortgage fraud. But there's a lot of other states that are hit by mortgage fraud as well. It's just that Florida is particularly good for mortgage fraud because of the recent real estate boom that it's gone through. In fact, it's the greatest real estate boom and bust since the 1920s, and we all know how that ended up with the Great Depression. I've had the opportunity, though, to work with a variety of different clients on mortgage fraud cases. You know, everything from helping protect lenders who are responding to government investigations as victims of mortgage fraud to actually representing individual clients who are being investigated and charged for mortgage fraud. And the unique thing about mortgage fraud is is that it really encompasses a, a wide variety of different types of cases. And the FBI, it distinguishes between you know fraud for profit and fraud for property. And one of the big differences is that a lot of people exaggerate or lie on loan applications to get a piece of property, but they're not in default, and so the government's not investigating them. And then a lot of people actually took it one step further and lied on mortgage loan applications to get money out of that property, call it equity skimming if you want. And those are the majority of the government investigations because they went into default. And in that respect, I've represented anyone from a common employee who allowed their credit to be used as a, uh, as a straw purchaser in a mortgage fraud case to title agents who, you know, breached their fiduciary duty to oversee that process for, process for their own profit to legitimate investors who actually got engaged in legitimate real estate investing but got in over their head, and when the real estate market crashed, They may have done something they shouldn't have done in order to keep their real estate portfolio afloat to perhaps real bad people, mortgage uh, lenders or mortgage brokers, if you will, who were unscrupulous and trying to profit on the real estate boom. And then we've had some of these cases where they call them the king of flipping. And they're essentially Ponzi schemes utilized in the real estate industry rather than the securities industry. And it's everybody just constantly flipping homes so that they can pull the equity out of it. And so we've seen a wide variety of different types of uh, mortgage fraud cases in Florida. Now, one of the, the types of fraud that we hear a lot about, LT, are the mortgage rescue schemes. I guess in this type of market, those are more prevalent. How can financial institutions fight and prevent those types of schemes? 
Well, it's interesting that we talk about the mortgage rescue schemes because the FBI, in its report, distinguishes between the real estate fraud or the mortgage fraud schemes that were were trying to take advantage of the real estate boom five years ago to the mortgage fraud schemes that exist today, the new emerging schemes, if you will, that are trying to take advantage of the depressed real estate market. And those are such as the foreclosure rescue schemes that we're seeing now. Whereas five years ago, it was equity skimming, real estate flipping, and just loan origination false statement cases. But from a lender perspective, you know, it's important for the lenders to try to protect themselves, and some of the regulations go into this as well. But first and foremost, it's basic awareness. The reason the regulators, such as the FBI, issue these reports is to make the lenders aware of the different types of schemes that are taking place, some of the emerging schemes, and that way they can be aware of them, they can be on the lookout for them, and they can protect themselves from it. Second, of course, which, which goes into that is increased vigilance. So if you're aware of the particular schemes that are taking place, you can be more vigilant in protecting yourself. You can be on the lookout, you can identify suspicious activity, and then third, you can report that suspicious activity to the regulatory agencies. And then fourth, and probably most importantly, and the regulators are going to go into this as well, is increased accountability all the way around. Everybody has some responsibility to protect themselves from mortgage or unscrupulous lending practices and fraudulent uh, practices by um, people attempting to defraud the lenders. And that increased accountability all the way across the board is important. Now, what other emerging schemes are regulators in the courts keeping their eyes on? And are some of those schemes more punishable offenses than others? Well, I'm glad you asked that question, Tracy, because, you know, there is no general mortgage fraud offense. And that's sort of one of the unique things about mortgage fraud. You know, if you ask me, well, what's a securities fraud case or a healthcare fraud case? I mean, there are particular statutes that criminalize that type of conduct. But if you open up the federal code, there is no specifically defined mortgage fraud offense. It's really a hodgepodge of other federal offenses that are used under the category of mortgage fraud. Now, from a general standpoint, most of those cases have the same elements, but, you know, they're not going to be the same statutory offenses. For example, if you use bank fraud or mail or wire fraud, those, are, those offenses are going to have statutory maximums. But if you just used a false statements count or a charge, the statutory maximum on that case would only be five years. And the prosecutors and investigators have wide discretion on which one of those charges they bring. But it's important because the statutory maximum between the two could be five years or 30 years. And then the FBI's report identifies what the emerging schemes are. And this is important, and lenders should be aware of this, because, you know, it's going to be everything from simple loan origination cases as, as before, you know, five years ago, but now the lenders aren't complicit in it. Whereas loan origination fraud in the past was sort of taking advantage of the relaxed lending guidelines, the the lenders aren't complicit in it anymore, and, but there's still loan origination fraud taking place. But there's the foreclosure rescue schemes. Uh, this, these particular types of schemes target vulnerable uh, victims such as senior citizens, uh, subprime uh, borrowers, you know, people who are especially uh, vulnerable to these types of uh, foreclosure rescue scams, if you will. 
Some other areas are short sale flipping. You know, this is going to require some complicity with, a, say, a real estate agent in which lenders are going to be defrauded on a short sale uh, where the owner of the property and, say, a real estate agent falsely represent what the maximum sale price of the home is to get the lender to sign off on it only to turn around and immediately sell it again to a prearranged buyer at an inflated price and then split the profit. You know, other uh, possible schemes are reverse mortgages, which also prey on senior citizens or other vulnerable victims in the Florida area. But you know what some interesting areas is, is the FBI is reporting that there's increased um, reports of commercial real estate fraud rather than residential real estate fraud but it's actually taking place in the commercial market instead. And they estimate that they expect more than $100 billion in losses by the end of 2010 in the commercial market. And then finally, you got to be careful about just property theft and uh, theft of real estate from the lenders who are holding some of these mortgages or holding some of these properties that are in foreclosure. So you have some predators that are coming in and actually selling these properties or renting them out from uh, renting them to unwitting uh, tenants when the properties are actually owned by the banks or the lenders. And so those are some additional schemes that the FBI is warning us about. Okay, and a number of new rules and proposals, which kind of ties in with what the FBI is doing, um, are coming down related to consumer protection and mortgage lending and have been passed down this month from the Fed. And uh, some new rules have been announced that relate to consumer protections, unfair, abusive, and deceptive lending. Uh, you know, how are those impacting financial institutions, or what impact do you expect those to have over the course of the next 12 months? How can the industry prepare? Well, Tracy, that's the flip side of the coin. You know, where some of these older regulations that have been taking place and some of the law enforcement initiatives are all geared toward protecting the lenders from fraudsters perpetrating mortgage fraud, the reverse side is, is a lot of these vulnerable individuals have been subject to predatory practices by lenders themselves. And Congress has been very active in trying to initiate some consumer protection uh, programs and initiatives, and we're seeing the benefit of those now from a consumer protection standpoint. So those regulations are intended to protect the, the consumers, where the other regulations that we've been talking about are intended to protect the, the, the lenders themselves and ultimately our financial system. Now, some of the things that the lenders can do, of course, is they're going to have to focus increased efforts on compliance initiatives. You know, they're going to have to comply with all these different regulations and consumer protection initiatives, as well as protect themselves from being defrauded. So it puts a good burden on the lenders in the mortgage industry. And what impact do you think or what impact could some of these regulations, these changing laws, have on the prosecution of mortgage fraud? Could it help, perhaps, to help lessen the gap that you, that you mentioned earlier, the, the wide range of different types of mortgage schemes that we see in the prosecution of those schemes? Well, I think it should definitely make it easier for the government to prosecute mortgage fraud. Uh, maybe not so much from the consumer lending standpoint. That's going to make it easier for consumers to bring class action uh, lawsuits, if you will, against the lenders. But the law enforcement initiatives are definitely going to make it tougher for people to be able to perpetrate mortgage fraud, and then it should make it easier for the government to investigate those cases and actually bring them against the uh, 
you know, the perpetrators. You know, for example, the government has implemented these task forces and these working groups that are all geared towards sharing information, data mining, reviewing suspicious activity reports, which are all new requirements for the lenders that have been implemented over the last couple of years, and those should make it easier for uh, the prosecutors to pursue those cases. Now, I want to point to a specific case. This was a recent uh, settlement. It was actually a $2.4 million settlement between a Florida-based mortgage rescue company and the Federal Trade Commission. What has the industry learned from mortgage cases such as this one that have been settled in the courts? Well, Tracy, I think that goes back to the responsibility and accountability that I mentioned before. You know, what it, what it shows us is is that everybody has some role in, in this process and has some accountability in the process, and we need to be vigilant, responsible, and accountability. You know, there's this Fortune article, uh, Fortune magazine article that was published a, a couple years ago in which they actually assigned blame to the different players. And they identified everything, everybody from the appraisers and the borrowers who participated in the real estate fiasco of five years ago, if you will, to the mortgage brokers, mortgage lenders, Wall Street, the rating agencies. And ultimately, they placed the greatest amount of blame on the Federal Reserve because they had the ability to regulate it, and they failed to do so. So what I think these settlements show us is, is that it's, it's not just criminal conduct that we have to be aware of. It's also civil fraud conduct and accountability and responsibility uh, ideals that we have to be careful of. And the federal government is going to be a lot more active now, and the consumer is going to be a lot more attentive. Lenders are a lot more attentive. And it all boils down to accountability. And now, over the next 12 months, LT, could you tell us where you expect to see the greatest changes in mortgage lending? Well, I think the greatest changes over the next 12 months are going to be the impact of these new consumer protection regulations because they're just coming into play now. And so I think the greatest changes and the greatest impact on the mortgage lending industry and the financial industry is going to be, you know, complying with those new consumer protection regulations. Uh, it's ironic because these new consumer protection regulations are coming into play right as a lot of lenders are finally relaxing some of their lending guidelines. And matter of fact, the Federal Reserve just issued their quarterly survey of senior bank loan officers. And in that survey, they report that on, during the period of uh, April through June, that only one in ten lenders had added increased mortgage lending guidelines. Whereas for the two years prior to that, eight in ten lenders had done the same thing. And so the Federal Reserve is finally pointing to some relaxed lending guidelines. And right as you're about to have those relaxed guidelines, you're also having a, a large number of new consumer protection regulations come into play. And I think those are going to be the biggest changes. What challenges, LT, do you expect to have the greatest impact on banking institutions and other mortgage lenders? That's going to be compliance. All of this ultimately comes down to accountability, but from the lender's perspective, the financial institution's perspective, their greatest challenge over the next year is going to be one from a compliance perspective. You know, they have a lot of new laws and regulations that they have to become familiar with, and they have to make sure that they're in compliance with those new laws and regulations because they have the risk of exposure to liability both from the government perspective, both from a civil and a criminal perspective, but they also have the risk of exposure from a plaintiff's lawsuit perspective from the consumers. And so they have a lot on their plate right now, and I think their greatest challenge is one from a compliance standpoint.
Well, thanks for your time today, LT. Thank you. Again, we've just heard from LT Lafferty, an attorney who focuses on mortgage fraud for Florida-based law firm Fowler White Boggs. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.